brain noodles this is the geeks like us podcast where we talk about random stuff that our brain is noodling on this week is a little different we seem to have cycling people coming in and out but i'm your host i am dr megan connell i am joined today by two amazing people two amazing humans one of whom has been involved with brain noodles from start but very rarely do you get to hear their voice throughout the episode uh, so amelia can you introduce yourself Sure. Um, I'm Amelia Herbst. I am actually the producer and audio editor of Brain Noodles. I'm also the community manager for Geeks Like Us. Um, outside of the work I do for GLU, I am also a psychotherapist and I am a doctoral student finishing my degree in clinical psychology. Woo! Future doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yay, yay. All right, and Sarah. I am Dr. Sarah Sawyer. I am a clinician. I'm a doctoral level therapist who has not taken the P. thus I cannot use the title licensed psychologist out in the state of Washington. Um, I also do brain noodles and thuppins for geeks like us. I am also, um, I suppose by the time this come out, comes out, it'll be, depending on how soon this turns around, I'll be announcing that I am the vice president of Queer Women of Esports. Uh, so yeah, exciting so times. Um, yeah, and I do lots of other stuff and I am the clinical contributor for Take This. So. We're all very busy humans. Uh-huh. We do a lot of things. Um, so today's episode is gonna be just a little bit different because um, the world's in a really bizarre place right now and it's a weird time so at the recording of this it's just the second day of june june 2nd you can say that say it that way i guess um mm -hmm. and things in america are tense and weird i mean outside of everything that's been going on with covid and us having to be home and social distancing um we have had i think now in the last week, two killings of unarmed black men by police, or one by police, one by National Guard. Um, and so there's protests going on all across the country and just, uh, I don't know, it's not not a great time. And so I wanted to check in and just see how, bo how both of you are doing, handling things and all of that. Not awesome. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, I am from Minnesota. Had my wife and I stayed there. Um, we would live one block from where the rioting started in Minneapolis. Um, our local stores would have been destroyed as they are destroyed, but they just are no longer local to us. Um, so a lot of friends, a lot of family out there, and a lot of people that I know on the ground out there helping people or protesting or both. Um, so that is personal and compelling and hard. I also know the Minneapolis police. I also am in a biracial marriage. And so it's a topic of constant conversation. We talk about race because it's healthy to talk about race and it's important to talk about race. And I think that it's particularly concerning um, as a therapist as well in its own right. And so doing therapy has been harder and heavier. Um, so, I mean, all around, it's just not super, super awesome. It's been a lot of heavy, a lot of hard. So that's me. 
not an exciting answer i know but it's the well truth. it's the it's honest right yes yeah. where where we are um mm -hmm. how about you amelia um it's difficult um as much as i want to avoid the news i can't because then i'm not being kept in the loop with what's going on i'm not able to aid people that are on the front lines people that are suffering like i can and i should um I come from the particular program that I'm in is one that prides itself on cultural diversity and like teaching us what we should be doing as clinicians and as psychologists and the chair of my program is an amazing um, black scholar and you know being with her and being with a lot of my classmates because I'm from the Philadelphia area um, through this and listening to their pain it's it's like the least that I can do um, but you know it's also it hurts I work in community mental health so a lot of my clients are um, black brown african-american folks and you know help trying to help them through this process too it's hard especially you know me being a white person you know i i've had more than one conversation recently about like well you don't get it and it's like i don't get it but i i want to be here and i want to hold you in whatever way i can um so it, it's heavy you know it hurts me to know that so many people are hurting it hurts me to see that you know we are continuing to be in this bad place and you know these protests are just continuing to show us that we're not in a good place and it's just it doesn't seem to be getting better right now. Um, I'm trying to be optimistic for the future for us, but you know, it's kind of hard to be optimistic when you wake up to bad news every day, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's been four months of waking up to pretty bad news and just this month, like, I, for me, like the thing I keep coming back to, because I think I am significantly older than both of you, <laughs> is um, uh, thinking back to the Rodney King beating, um, I actually looked it up. So it, it, that happened in 1991. Um, and then the LA riots happened in 92 when all of the officers who were involved, none of them um, were convicted. And um, it just, it, it was so, such a big thing. And like to see the video then, like I, I was very young. Um, and it was very important, just like how hor horrible and horrific it was. And then to see the, you know, the outrage that happened and like hoping that that level of outrage, you know, would be instrumental to change. And yet here we are 30 years later and the problems seem to have gotten worse, not better. Um, and like, in my practice uh, for therapy, one of the things I really work with is helping people sit with their emotions. And so like, I've been trying to do a lot of that. And so I'm sitting with, I'm sad. And I, uh, a couple hours ago, I just went for a walk and I just was at every step was I'm sad for, and like I had something for every step of my mile and a quarter walk. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's so freaking hard. I feel like the thing I keep settling back into, if it's any help, when I worked with sex offenders and treatment, um, I worked at a very unique place that was doing sex offender inpatient treatment um, that is 
actually, sadly, grandfathered in based on their location, which is a house located in the neighborhood adjacent to where all of the building burning was going on. And if that, we always joked, if that building ever burned down, that program would discontinue because everyone hated having sex offenders in any building anywhere, let alone a collection of them in one place. So it's awful. But we always talked about in that program that like, we have to look at the wound to clean it. We have to tend to the infection to flush it out and to start applying the medication and the treatment needed to fix the problem. And so, yes, we're going to have to talk and look at it and, and acknowledge the system that we have, that it is a racist system. It is a system that, that founds and holds its privilege for white people and white men. It's a system that is built to continue to quiet and um, limit people of color and black people. And to change those things, we have to do things like your walk and look at our own privilege and be uncomfortable, actively uncomfortable. I think often like the poor guys in the program, I had MRSA in my knee in college. Uh, yeah, it was about as fun as you think. Uh, MRSA is a staph infection. It, it creates a boil for those who don't know. Um, and it is painful. And the problem with boils is that you cannot put antiseptic on it. You cannot numb it because you're just adding more air to a balloon, if you will. So you have to deal with the pain of the, of the, of the wound. And you have to clear that wound. <clears throat> you have to open it. And so I'm not going to dig into it further because it's gross and we all have good imaginations because <laughs> we're all geeky people here. So I'm not going to go further, but we have to tend to, I find wounds are the easiest analogy because infections are ugly. This is ugly. Mm -hmm. This is exposing an ugly side of humanity that many people have to look at constantly every day and it and it's hard and it's an effort we all have to do in order to make any change just like like we witness things we have to witness things and the media is bringing it closer to our faces than it's ever been able to be before and so we have to keep our eyes open like you're saying amelia but it's not comfortable and it's not fun and it's not okay none of it's okay yeah and maybe I'll get some hate for saying this, but like, I think I was always taught to act with integrity. And that's certainly something in the field of psychology. It's part of our ethics code that basically like, we are always psychologists. Like we do mm -hmm. have private lives and we are allowed to be private people. However, yeah, we are still representative of what we do. And it's sort of this thing of like, you have to be the example and that is hard and it's hard to do, but like, I guess it, I had always hoped that police officers would hold up the law themselves and hold themselves accountable and hold each other accountable. And it seems like you know, in some places that is happening, but other places it's not. And like, I think that's one of the big messages of this movement is saying nothing and doing nothing is bad, you know, horrible as well. Like if you see somebody doing something wrong to have that integrity to stand up and say something. And as a person in privilege, arguably, 
it is a better position to be in to challenge someone's privilege because there isn't the barrier of being an oppressed person playing a card, which is a gross statement in itself. But like, as a white person, it's easier for me to challenge another white person because the white person isn't going to be able to use that as a defense mechanism. But it's still, we can never take that hat off. And it sucks to have to choose between pandemic and race and standing up for my beliefs and staying healthy. And where is that line as a clinician of like getting sick potentially, but this is so much far beyond illness because this itself is an illness. Like I am so torn up about that. And how do I, but I think an important bit that we should also acknowledge, sorry, I'm like on my speakerphone today, is the resources that are out there. Like right now, our friend Tanya DePass's fundraising, and she had a goal of $500, and she's hit well over 13000 right now. I actually, I, I badly have her stream up right now. Um, it's muted while we're doing recording. She's past $21,000. Oh, my God. They have Amazing. to contribute to organizations that are also contributing to change. And that's the hopeful part, because it's like, what do I do? Well, at least I can donate. At least I can... I can retweet things and share things that other people are doing to share resources and to connect people in. And that feels good. That feels powerful to be able to do something in that effort. I don't know. Yeah. And so help where you can, you look for a great Mr. Rogers quote of look for the helpers and help them. Agreed. Find, Find the people who are doing good things and out there helping and try to do what you can, whether that's donating money, donating time, um, donating a platform. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the big things that I'm trying to push both, not super trying to push because I'm trying to use my privilege and my platform in order to help continue to create changes and continue to promote it, especially in, you know, people that look like me. So white, white people that at times don't necessarily realize how privileged we are. Um, Specifically with this, one of the things that I keep saying is that once, you know, once Black Tuesday is over, once this week where a lot of people are muting themselves over, once the protests begin to calm down, that we don't forget about this that we don't stop trying to rise up the Black folks in our lives and that we continue to pay Black scholars for their knowledge, that we continue to have um, Black content creators on our own feeds, that, you know, that we don't stop remembering that this is something that exists and we don't continue to, or we don't stop trying to fight the systemic racism. Um, I typically tend to get vocal like this, especially after like mass shootings, since that's my area of research um, and a lot of interest psychologically for me. You know, every time there's a school shooting, it's like, you know, thoughts and prayers, like this is it, like this makes me angry. I'm going to post about it for like a week straight and then I'm just going to stop talking about it. And I'm like, there's somebody like me who's entrenched in the research that's like, we can't stop talking about it. We can't stop trying to make a change. And that's how all of these folks feel. They see all of us changing our profile pictures. They see all of us getting angry right now, but then we forget and they're still living in this society. They're still living where they're being targeted. Like we can't, we can't keep forgetting, you know? Mm -hmm. And when we feel tired, 
challenging ourselves to remember that if we're tired, imagine living this all the time, all the time, every single day, every single interaction, every time you go into a store, every time you apply for a job, every time you try to do literally anything, take a nap, take a walk, live in your house. <sighs> it's yeah. exhausting. So our fatigue is so small. It really is. As to everybody out there, be safe and love each other. And remember that humans mm -hmm. are complicated. We are not simple. Like we are not, we do not follow an alignment chart <laughs> to put it in the DD terms. And this is a complicated issue and it's going to take a lot to, to fix it. And it's not a s simple answers from one side or the other are not the way to go. This is dynamic and complex and it's going to need a complex answer. Any other closing thoughts that either of you have on this very, but no. <laughs> I think that that is an elegant way to kind of wrap it. And just to say that like, if I'm following my analogy, you cannot treat a wound with one pill or one treatment. You have to take it like an antibiotic and you have to finish the whole series of the medication. You cannot just post a Facebook manner. We cannot be silent for one day. And in fact, on this Tuesday, I encourage, I guess the two of you, because we're the only ones in this time, timey-wimey in the back in the history, uh, to take this time instead of saying our own things, but just to promote and retweet everything that all of our, all of our black friends and black people are doing and share the resources and share the, those things because that's, we got to big up that stuff, especially today, but always. Um, but take the, take the dang antibiotic white people. That's my <laughs> closing statement. I take like every it. single one. <laughs> Finish that z pack. Yep. I don't care how much it messes with the flora and fauna of your digestive system. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad, bad bacteria anyway. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to engage in a little bit of self-care by talking about some other things. Mm -hmm. um, but we also just want to take a moment to acknowledge everything that's going on in the world. So we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Jonathan Anslow. You can catch me on Retronathan Fridays at 4.30, where I'll be playing various indie games that feature a retro aesthetic. Come reminisce with me about a time when chiptune and pixel art ruled. This will be our wholesome moment from Brain Noodles today. Um, my, I was getting my kiddos ready for bed and they were in the bath and doing the kid thing of playing in the bath rather than cleaning their bodies in the bath. And so I, was, I mean, kept asking. Yeah. That's you know, every bath. It is. <laughs> that's, for me, that's every bath. And so telling like, come up, you get, you know, please, please finish up. And I'm like, mommy's starting to, my patience is starting to wear thin. And my old daughter looked at me, she's like, so is your patient supposed to be fat? I mean, that's a fair oppositional. It like, is, like, yeah. Like not, she's being oppositional, but like, that makes sense if we're thinking about the world of opposites. Kids are the best. Yeah. I love I, their I love logical that. brains. I, I absolutely love that. I was like, okay. I was like, yes, you want to keep mommy's patients nice and fat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's your wholesome moment. Playtime, mom. Jeez Louise. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So welcome back on that note. Hey everybody. <laughs> so uh, what games have y'all been enjoying to help <sighs> distract and... Well, Rachel and I finally got, uh, prepare your shot glasses, folks, uh, Gamer Doc into <laughs> Animal Crossing. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been playing a little bit of that. I got a, I got a, we got a group text this morning. How do I get clay? And I was like, are you kidding? Love Have it. you played the game? <laughs> but no, but I, it's been so fun having that group chat of like, how do I do this? What do I do for that? Because she's just learning the game and we're like, <laughs> walk into my seasoned veteran chair. Like, let me tell you the ways of the world, young one. So it's been, that's been fun. But I, I have been playing um, a little bit of everything. I don't know. D&D &D also, which by the way, our topic of self-care day is uh, She-Ra and I faced a baddie in part of Gardens of Fog that my DM, who I told to watch She-Ra, now that I'm watching She-Ra and you're right, um, turned my, so it, it's hard to explain, but in D&D, She-Ra came up. I can explain later. That's awesome. <laughs> what games have you been playing, Amelia? Everything. Um because now I don't have schoolwork, I have all of a sudden so much more time. Um, so clearly continuing to check in on Animal Crossing, though that's kind of petering out with time. Um, however, I did get bullied into playing Stardew Valley. Um, yeah, you did. It was so it was so funny. We were having Yay. so the the Thursday D and D game that I'm in. Um, I happened to mention that I just. There were some things that I just never got into, even though everyone else did, and Stardew Valley was one of them. And then all of a sudden, a very fun-loving person of mine decided to tag Sarah and Rachel on Twitter because he knew that I didn't want to disappoint any of you <laughs> to, to bully me into playing Stardew. So he tagged Sarah and Rachel specifically, and he was like, they'll get you to play it. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Surgical strategy right there. Yes. Like, that was that, key that choice. Was it was quite... It was quite yeah. literally the next day I started playing it, yeah. too, which is what makes it even funnier. Right. I, and the I, funny, I think it's funny because we were both just like, oh, would you please? It would really be great. It wasn't even like, Amelia, come on. <laughs> it was just like, we'd really like it. And then she's like, the next day, okay. Made <laughs> a tweet about it and everything. But I put, I put so much time into it. Like, because I'm an open world RPG person. Like, I like Skyrim, the other game that I'm have decided that I'm not finishing yet because I can't bring myself to finish is uh, the DLC Blood and Wine for the Third Witcher, just because it's beautiful, the whole scenery. I just loved like being in that space. Like it's a good place for me to escape to and just run around and kill monsters and play Gwent. Anyway, so that's the other game I'm playing. Um, so it's like clearly something like Stardew Valley normally wouldn't come across my radar because of the type of games that I play. But here I am like farming and I'm perfectly okay with that. Now, who are, are you, you romancing a character? Like, There's a few. There's a few. Um, one of our dear friends, uh, Songs of Healing, made this observation. She's like, you like the broken men. Um, because <laughs> I, am, I am attempting to romance um, Harvey, Shane, and emo guy. Sebastian? Sebastian. Yes. yes. Sebastian at least plays D&D. &D. Oh, I didn't get to that point yet. But yeah, so. Oh, yes. 
she so when I so when I listed the characters the next time I talked to all of them she's like oh it's all the broken men and I'm just like oh yeah I guess that's true isn't it yeah <laughs> see like when, in my okay. playthrough of it I met all the guys and I was like they're dumb <laughs> <laughs> and I started reversing um I went between Emily and Abigail but then my character ended up marrying Abigail <laughs> Yes, All that Abigail choice. life. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, hashtag lesbian things. Anytime there's a chance to romance a woman in a game, I'm going to do it. So that wasn't even, the boys weren't even an option for me. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, get out of my way. I'm all here for Leah. Yeah. That Leah life. <laughs> Leah's, yeah, Leah's pretty cool too. <laughs> That's awesome. I've, I've been getting back into Civilization. I have Civ Six. Um, I've won one game on it. Uh, I keep trying to do a co-op game with my husband, but he is very much so. I need to do the most tactically advantageous thing on every turn. And so he takes forever. And so I demand that we have a turn timer on it. And he hates that. And so he gets frustrated. So um, I usually have to have like a mobile game going while we're playing Civ 6. So, uh, but I played a single game and I was playing as Australia and my neighbor like just decimated me after we got out of like the first era. And oh, I was no. very sad. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back to Civ 5 because I actually know how to win at Civ 5 and I find it fun. And the like, Civ 6 is great. It is beautiful. I highly recommend it if you haven't played it. Um, but it is also really complicated. And I only so far like playing as Canada because Canada has a feature where um, none of the other countries can declare surprise war on Canada, which is very nice. It would European. be Canada that would have that feature. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, so that that has been a lot of fun and then also like i have a bunch of uh humble bundle did a a steam package a little while ago that was all the video games of board games uh so i've got like um just a bunch of different board games that i can play through steam and play with my friends on steam which has been really nice i usually end up playing against the ai and losing but it's okay <laughs> so let's jump into our main topic of today of the self-care because uh, i know our podcast audience cannot see this but dr sarah behind her has a beautiful background of bright moon and i finally got you two to watch she you're not done yet <laughs> so we're not going to have spoilers for season five because i want you two to experience it no. in all of its wonderful glory but let we me have spoilers up to season four episode six unless yes. amelia you are not that far i'm starting the beginning of season four this will be spoilers up to season four. <laughs> up to season four. <laughs> so really quickly, in case anybody doesn't know, uh, so Shira was a not as popular as He-Man cartoon in the 80s. Uh, so I actually, it was one of my favorite shows as a kid. I had Shira's sword and I would run around in my backyard and the backwoods pretending to be Shira. It was awesome and amazing. Um, but like it suffered from a lot of the problems that 80s cartoons had. And uh, recently it was uh, rebooted and redone for Netflix uh, by Noelle Stevenson. She's a comic book, uh, webcomic creator, um, writer, and she's the lead for She-Ra and they did an amazing job of it. So that's sort of the quick and dirty of the history of She-Ra. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I heard the sigh, so I thought Sarah yep. was going to go first. Um, I, I'm really enjoying it. I think 
you know, compared to a lot of the cartoons that even still that are coming out today, I think it it strives to be diverse. It, it strives to address issues specifically in female friendships and in female relationships that I think are so important for girls to hear. Um, and so far, that's kind of what's impressed me the most. I mean, other than that, it's just, it's a fun story and it's something that, you know, me in my late 20s attempting to do schoolwork slash emails while I'm watching it can't because I just get pulled into everything that's going on with it. Um, I just think it's so powerful to have those characters and to have those female friendships and, you know, through, you know, the Princess Alliance breaking apart and then hearing about the original Princess Alliance and, you know, and having that female unity. It's, it's so needed. It's so needed, especially for young girls, because I feel like we're still in a place where female friendships, even though they are getting more valued, I think there is still some weird cultural contention with them. And it's good to have a show like this where they can see the conflict, where they can see where people don't see eye to eye, but then you can still respect it and work together and do all of that. You know, um, I don't have kids yet, um, but I'm hoping that when I do, this will still be a good start, you know, to have them view female friendships and female female power and autonomy and all of that good stuff. Yeah, I'll say um, before we hear Sarah's reactions, we watched the first season um, with my young ones and they had to go to bed and we were about halfway through this first season. And after they went to bed, the rest of the family came down and we finished the rest of the first season together because it was just so good. None of us were expect, we were hoping that it would be a decent cartoon like, um, something we didn't mind having on, sort of like My Little Pony or um, there's a few other shows that they, they watch we don't mind having on, but we are not going to actively choose to watch ourselves. Uh, but the, all the adults in my family have chosen to watch she which has been wonderful. Sarah, how about you? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Sorry, I got invaded by dogs, so I caught about a half of that. But because um, <clears throat> I had to kick them out of there, we're going to start fighting it. And I wasn't interested in the gremlins. So can we do a quick summary of what I'm, my thoughts on, is it like that's on the show? Then we can edit yeah, it out. Just, yeah, your thoughts on the show. What are your thoughts on Shira so far? Okay. So I think the show has been really lovely in their portrayal of how do i even phrase it like inconsequential queer presence or like the the it is a tired thing that happens to be like oh, this person is gay what do we do and it requires a story arc in order for that person to be then accepted and to belong or <clears throat> to be around. It is so refreshing always to see when that's not a thing. And they're just there and people are just around and people are just doing what they do. Like I've heard so, and to give context, <clears throat> not to the point if we are in Timey Wimey and we have seen through season three, no queer character has been identified for the record. 
Um, <clears throat> there are rumblings of lesbian characters that I'm aware of because I'm actively trying to avoid discussions of this show on social media and everywhere else. And I can tell you that there, uh, my knowledge of the existence of non-binary characters, there are characters that when you watch the show, you're like, you appear more androgynous, which is that lovely categorization our brain tries to do to figure out like, is who, what, what is, what is this person and how do I categorize them? And it doesn't matter, but brains are dumb and jerks. So our brain tries to do that anyways. <laughs> and then my brain now, because I've been working on that rhetoric <clears throat> for how long? It's like, oh, an androgynous character, yay. <laughs> and I know that Double Trouble is a character that was built to be trans and it's beautiful. Although I would give a gentle challenge that shapeshifters are a cheap way to do that because it's like yeah they can shape they can shapeshift that's their nature is to be transitional but that is a bit apropos to the identity of trans where the whole culture around what gender is in real life is a little thicker than that but it's a beautiful thing to see and i'm excited by all of that and i'm excited by this female friendships and the, like, the Bechdel test. There's so much Bechdel test passing in the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is Absolutely. so, I, I'm a weird mom in, uh, I try, I don't, I haven't let my girls watch much of anything that doesn't pass the Bechdel test. And so, like, uh, they still haven't seen The Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, they did get to see Beauty and the Beast, and they did, did get to see Aladdin, even though... Beauty and the Beast te- kind of passes it technically uh, with Mrs. Potts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of, <sighs> but she only really talks to Belle about Beast. So, yeah. Right. For those who don't know, the Bechtel test is where the um, a program must have at least one conversation present in the entirety of the program. So, in the whole movie of Beauty and the Beast, for example, where two female or not men characters are having a conversation which does not include the topic of any men. That's it. Talking about things other than men. It can be the weather. It can be the news. It can be their toes. It can be the sun. Doesn't matter, but no men. And it is shocking how few programs pass the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. So this is our challenge to you is next time you see a show, see whether or not it passes the Bechdel test. Yeah. And also having mm. two main female characters, because often there oh, are right. movies or, or films or shows where you have more than one female character, but the second one is just named girl on the street. Oh yeah. They have to be identifiable characters. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and it's just so nice to see where she just like, completely knocks that out of the park mm-hmm. um you know the characters all have names they all have very different personalities they all have different body shapes which is something i immediately noticed when watching it and i was so on board with and it's just it was so nice um i also love the fact that they understand that children have intelligence um because in the original shira no one knew that shira was adora it was always this thing of like, oh, Adora, you just missed She-Ra. 
and it was so like it felt very pandery and dumb even as a very young child and it's like so Hannah nice. Montana style yeah yeah it was oh, it was <laughs> awful they, they did the same thing in He-Man too um but like the fact that that wasn't from the first episode that wasn't even a thing it was known that Adora is She-Ra um and you know everybody knew that bad guys good guys and I thought that was great so <laughs> I think it's tackling a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it is mm -hmm. tackling the fact that, you know, we can't continue some of these tropes from the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s, like, you know, kids are intelligent, kids will figure stuff out, you know, we need to have diversity, we need to, we need to pass the pencil test, we need to have characters where their sexual identities um, might not be the, you know, heterosexual, but then it's not necessarily a big deal when it comes out, like, this is how the world is and this is how it should be reflected in our media. And I think it's kind of cool to like hear everyone's different opinions on that and then seeing that, yeah, this is this is kind of what this show is doing and maybe more shows will do this. This is a therapist commentary, but one of my very, very favorite parts of the whole show is that Katra portrays something that is hard to describe outside of analogy or example, like in a show where when Katra feels things, let alone feels pain, feels hurt, feels trauma, she lashes out in a particular way, particular way that looks like a pure effort in manipulation, but it's actually a defense mechanism where she's hurting. And so she hurts somebody else back because then they feel like she feels, and so they'll back off and they won't get close and they won't see her be tender. And that's hard to describe outside of an example. And it's beautiful to see not only them portraying that, like we see in many media examples, but to see the way everybody else handles it in the cartoon is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like Adora is persistent that it's like, no, you're not gonna push me away like that. Yeah. I know you're hurting. I see you. And I'm like, yeah, push through. <laughs> yeah. Uh all of that stuff is just it, it is so beautiful and like yeah coming catcher's arcs over the next the season you i'm jealous of you two getting to see it for the first time <laughs> it it is so <laughs> it's so good yeah I, I think though like that is one of the strengths of the show too is it doesn't shy away from difficult topics in that way of like seeing how somebody can have that push away defense mechanism and how to kind of sit with that and work on it and the persistence um but then also the challenge of people who have very different worldviews. um i love the character of entrapta and everybody has a very hard time relating to her and getting her to understand um and she's got a really interesting arc too and like she just is so excited about technology and in innovation that anybody who will just kind of listen to her, she just gloms onto so hard. And it's really interesting to see that and see her trying to learn through <laughs> those things as well. Any other thought? Any Amelia, did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to? All right. So you two are up to the beginning of season four, a little about halfway through season four. Um, two questions for you first off the character that you're enjoying the most and then if you were to play a character in a DD campaign which one would you choose because I, I imagine those might be different answers 
Very different answers. I would play <laughs> She-Ra. Mm -hmm. Every time. Easy. Or Entrapta, because I feel like I could pull off Entrapta very well in D&D. &D. Actually, I would probably play Entrapta, because that's got to be a cool mechanics. Choice revoked. Entrapta. Final answer for D&D. &D. <laughs> My favorite character to watch? Uh, I'm trying to remember all the names. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to remember the one princess. What describes their power? Yeah. Uh, the the ocean one. Mermista. Yeah. So I, uh, for D and D, I'd play Mermista. I re I just really nice. love her attitude. That's just kind of like how I like to play D and D characters. It's kind of like that. Oh, okay. I'll do this. I guess you know. Um, favorite character though would have to be um, Ketra. I just everything about what Sarah just described as far as looking at things from a therapeutic point of view, I typically tend to like characters like that. And just watching her evolve throughout the show so far has been amazing. Because she's got stuff. She's not unilateral. She's got depth. Yeah. yeah. Now, given her depth is pain, but she has depth. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite character is probably Scorpia, who I could probably pull off as well. She's got, she's got a really cool Minnesotan accent there. Oh, I'm just gonna take care of you. We're just gonna go over here. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel you, girl. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you, Sarah. Like, I think Scorpio is my favorite character to watch. Um, I think you're up to the Scorpio episode, and like, that's the episode when I'm kind of mm -hmm. having a, a day that I'm gonna watch. Um, and like, uh, but if I was to play a character in a D&D campaign, I think you all, you both know the characters I play. This probably won't come as a surprise, but I'd want to play Seahawk. Oh, <laughs> like, I can I that. So oftentimes we joke about um, cosplay amongst the PAX pals. So this includes like the geeks like us folks, like Dr. Ryan Kelly and um, Dr. Emery Daniel, Rachel Coert, and Dr. B from Take This, and the Adams from Clinical Role, like there's, there's, there's a smattering of people across the Geeks Like Us universe and then other universes, but um, I always peg that as like a Dr. Ryan Kelly or a Dr. B, you oh, know, yeah. like if we were to do the group that. cosplay, that would be them. Yeah. They would be fighting over that character. <laughs> but he yeah, would be fun to play. Oh my gosh, you'd be so like you, you sing and you set fire to things. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And you can be kind of ditzy, but also very supportive and caring. And yeah. Yes. Oh, he's mm, sorry. There's stuff coming up with him and Marissa that's just beautiful too. So it's all love wonderful. it. All right. Well, we will be right back. When we come back, we'll discuss what our brain's been noodling on. Hey Brain Noodles listeners, did you know that Geeks Like Us has a Discord server? We want you to join us to talk about your geeky interests, or even just to come by the Brain Noodles channel to discuss what you've been noodling on. Our Discord information can be found on our Twitter, at G33KSLIKEUS. We hope to see you there! And we're back! And we're at the end of the episode where we talk about the things that our brains have been noodling on, so... Amelia, what, what have you been noodling on recently? Um, two major things. Um, I am, so for those of you that don't know, um, for clinical psychology doctorate students, one of the things that we do is we have to go through a year-long, full-time, 40 hours a week training process that we call clinical internship. 
and we go through this whole big batching process. It's great. It's terrifying all at the same time. Um, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Megan Shaker, like, no, it's no. not fun. Um, so I ended up getting matched at a at my top choice. Um, but my top choice is also in Tacoma, Washington, and I live in the Philadelphia area of Pennsylvania. So for those of you that know the United States, it's the opposite end of the country from where I'm at. Um, so I'm major, making a major move in August. Um, so for me, a lot of my brain has been noodling on what do I take, you know, with everything with COVID that's going on right now, um, finding an apartment, you know, are the first few months of my internship going to be telehealth? Um, Washington is slowly opening back up and where I'm going to be is planning on opening in the fall, but we're still not 100% sure whether or not we can see clients face to face. So, you know, what those transitions will look like. So that's a lot of, it's taking up a lot of space in my brain. Um, the other thing is, is this community manager position for geeks like us is fairly new to me and I'm trying to figure out in what ways I can help out and benefit the community and you know serve my role in the best way that I can so that's another another big part of my brain right now that's working that's awesome well I've been noodling a lot like the world um, yeah that's we talked about that in the first segment that's been a lot of the news but also like time and energy um i have a lot of books like this is sort of uh, again the podcast can't see this but like behind me for the most part like this shelf this shelf and this one are all the books that i have read for grad school and i have read them all pretty much fewer resources you know more like i've read some and i used to read a lot uh as a you know a high schooler in in my undergrad time and I continue to buy books, but I find I am not reading these days, which is in part because like, I just don't have time. Um, I have a language-based learning disability that makes reading and writing um, incredibly difficult. And so like, it, it takes a lot of effort for me to read and I find this, I don't have a lot of effort. And so I'm trying to understand like how to continue learning in a way that's authentic and ensuring that I am getting a full rounded education where I'm not relying on reading as much, um, but also like trying to understand the reality of like what is being curious about it. Of like, what is this? Why I'm not wanting to read? Is this? I just don't. I'm not putting the energy into to learning as I value it, or is it? I just I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, noodling around like motivations and trying to understand like changes throughout your life and how that all works makes sense. I mean, it's a hard career we find ourselves in at times because we do need to keep reading to keep up with everything that's going on because things change year to year and, you know, between time and then also, you know, struggling with um, be it learning disability, being it family schedules, all that type of stuff. It is, it's a lot to balance. That's quite a thing it, to noodle on. It is, it is. So it, it does take up quite a bit of time and like trying to engage in like proper self-care versus indulgence and avoidance and like it's just, I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. So Sarah, what's your brain been noodling on? Uh, it has been noodling on what I'm going to do in the next three months. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm noodling on all of the political and the environmental and the social things. Um, but yeah, just kind of formulating 
planning, logistics. I'm always noodling on logistics now that I stop and think about it. Just the noodles. But right noodles now, particularly, logistics. noodling having to read the MMPI question by question through a virtual appointment with a client, which oh. is what I'm going to go do. Good luck. Super Good luck fun. With that. Thanks. Super great. Just super. Anyway, well, we will wrap up. We hope that everyone in our community is doing well, stay safe, um, and we'll be back soon. Hey, Brain Noodles ladies, Kelly here. I wanted to share the games that I've been playing while I have been away. So first up, I have started Animal Crossing. Yes, I have drunk the Kool-Aid and I am living on a beautiful deserted island, recently upgraded from a tent to a house and just built a bridge. Very, very exciting times. I also started streaming Alan Wake. I wanted to just do some streams to kind of help people chill and relax given the dumpster fire uh, that is around us. And I'd remembered a friend had recommended Alan Wake as having some interesting psychological themes. My friend did not mention, or perhaps I forgot, that Alan Wake is very scary. <laughs> and I do not like scary games. But I was streaming, people seemed to enjoy my terror and my involuntary tears at times. So I kept going and I plan on continuing to do that in the future to bring people joy and, uh, you know, fight axe murderers, which feels real good right about now. Miss you all so much. See you soon. Brain Noodles is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS, like us, that's at G33KSLIKEUS. Until next time, keep noodling.